0: Hi, I'm Dr. Raj Karsandis, a GP and lifestyle doctor. Welcome to Health Lifestyle Action, a weight loss and healthy lifestyle initiative commissioned by Hillingdon Council and delivered by the NHS Hillingdon Confederation. Invest in your health now. Join us and we'll show you how. Hi, so welcome to today's episode of Health Lifestyle Action. Today we've got Caroline Mead King, who's a community dietitian in Hillington. Hi, Caroline, how are you doing?
1: Hi, nice to speak to
0: you. Hi, thanks for joining. Um, So do you want to just start by giving a a brief introduction to yourself and just tell us a little bit about what you've been doing?
1: So I've been a community dietitian for many years now, nearly 15, and I've worked across brent and barnet and harrow and now hillingdon so um what we do is your favorite borough is it oh yes (laughs) (laughs) well i live in hillingdon so i must admit um it's handy to work in the same area you live in because you know what the population needs um so it's a good place to work
0: fantastic and um and, and and what sort of i mean just briefly what sort of patients have you been working with
1: So in the community, we largely work with um, relatively healthy individuals who might need support for gaining or losing weight or they might have a a diet related illness such as diabetes or uh, high cholesterol or something like that. So we work in a number of ways, although people tend to associate us with um, uh, weight reducing diets, we actually do a lot of different types of diet.
0: I see. Okay, so you'd work with people with things like diabetes, heart disease,
1: and yes. support them
0: along that journey as well.
1: That's right. Um, a lot of patients who are trying to gain weight and sort of muscle as well. So mm. a, a varied population group.
0: Great. So a really broad experience. It's good to know.
1: So Caroline,
0: I thought I'd get you on today to really, you know, pick your brain about a topic that's that many find very confusing. And to be honest, I find it's quite confusing at times. <laughs> and that topic is food labelling. Yes. So... I just wanted you to kind of just run through a food label what it looks like what's in there and what are the what are the pitfalls what should people look out for now we're talking about trying to not only lose weight in this program but improve our health and well-being as well so I just mm. want you to to highlight some of that because uh, you know some of it can be a bit contradictory really and a lot of this is really confusing because you know food manufacturers are are uh, use... Uh, uh, Selling their product, uh, yeah. <laughs> interesting strategies. Um, so yeah. so I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to you. I mean, tell me...
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think sometimes you have to be a little bit careful because, of course, whoever's trying to um, sell their product is going to do a good job at twisting that data to make it look uh, perhaps more attractive than it might be mm. in circun- some circumstances. So sometimes products can appear healthier uh, when actually they're not really the best choice. So looking at the label is, is a good way to figure out for yourself whether it's a healthy product or not. Uh, and there's some key things to look for. I know product uh, food labels can be quite overwhelming, but there are key things to keep an eye out for. They are improving. So one of the best things you can do is look at the front of the package, because these days they tend to have a traffic light food labeling. Um, So that's the the red, green or amber food labelling. Green meaning go, meaning it's a healthy product, so it's a good choice to have. Amber meaning maybe you have to have a closer look and red meaning potentially high for whatever they've identified in that traffic light labelling. Have you seen those yourself, Raj? Yes, of course. Yeah, (laughs) a lot of products have them now. Um, Over the last few years, they've been pushing to get them in place. So if it's all low, if it's all green, that means go. (laughs) You can have that product without really having to think too hard about what's in it. If it's an amber, you might want to have a look. So if you flip the packet over and you have a look for the key nutritional things that might impact you. uh, Now, if you are looking for a weight reducing diet, you probably want to keep a little eye on the fats, maybe the type of fat as well, whether it's saturated, which is the one that could potentially increase your cholesterol. Um, salt and sugar is maybe something also to keep an eye on. Salt, I say, to have a look at because it's one of those things that is higher in processed foods um, and does impact lots of problems in health. So it can raise your blood pressure. It can affect your uh, little blood vessels and arteries. So it can give you kidney damage and, and things like that as well. And, um, you know, the recommendations for salt are quite low. It's only six grams a day, which is about a teaspoon. So it's worth keeping a little eye on as well sugar uh, we look at really in terms of calories so if it's a high sugar product uh, we know that that's potentially going to allow you to gain weight more easily perhaps affect your dental health put you at more risk of other long-term conditions as well so you're having a look for those ones really in
0: terms of calories sorry to interrupt so in terms of sugar what is the daily recommendation
1: for for sugar so that's a good question and i get that question a lot the the daily recommendations are really not things that i would um look into too hard Mm. just because uh we don't really want you to have sugar if you like so it's not a need that you have in your body so Mm. um it's easy to get bogged down with the drvs um the, the daily recommended values but I wouldn't advocate um, sort of aiming you sort of going for as yeah. low as possible to yes. some extent, um, yeah. because it's not a. it doesn't add anything to your diet. Yeah. Um, and just to be clear, that...
0: we're talking about here, refined added sugars and not sugars found in whole foods.
1: Oh, that's another very good question. actually, yeah. Raj. So sometimes when you read the food labels of something like a yoghurt, for example, there is natural mm. sugar in dairy. So... Um, it's a step that we'll have to look at uh, in a second. So I'll talk you through what you would do, and then you can identify oh. those mm. ones as an extra. So you look at your product per hundred grams. So you don't look per um, serving, which they often put on there. You look per hundred grams, so you get a universal idea of whether that product is low in fat or sugar or salt, and then from there you can decide how much quantity you should be having. So. Low fat would be less than 3 grams per 100 grams. Low saturated fat, bad fats, would be less than 1.5 grams per 100 grams. So medium would actually be between, for fat would be between 3 and 17 grams per 100 grams. So it's a really broad range. And that's why I was saying you need to look to see um, whereabouts it lies within that range. For sugar... Um, low would be less than five grams per 100 grams and medium would be between five to 22 grams per 100 grams and above 22 would be high. Um, So that's the best way to look, is grab a product from your kitchen and just see how that compares uh, with your food labels itself. For for salt, uh, low would be less than 0.3 grams per 100 grams and medium would be between 0.3 to 1.5 grams, more than 1.5 grams per 100 grams would be high so once you've done that and you've established whether your product is low medium or high the next thing to do is what you're asking there raj is to look at the ingredients so that's the third step you look at the front of the packaging you've got an idea where the traffic light is you've looked at the second um back of the packaging just to get an idea of whether it's high or low if it's in the middle where does it sit and then you want to see where does that sugar actually come from or where does that fat actually come from so on an ingredients list, the highest ingredient will come first. So, if in one of your first three ingredients there's sugar, or something that ends in O's, or honey, uh, or syrup, yeah. then you want to be a little bit more careful, um, is what but I. just to clarify, of.
0: that's that's O's is in O S E. That's right.
1: Stomach, um, so fructose and maltose and glucose, all yeah. of those are actually sugar. Um, so if it's one of your first three ingredients, it means it's one of the highest um, in the in the packaging. So if you looked at this, say, on a sort of diet yoghurt, maybe is a good one to give an example of. You mm. want to see whether that is coming from fruit. So whether it says whatever the natural fruit is or whether it's from an O's, or whether it's from sugar as one of the first three ingredients the same could be applied to something like a cereal so if you're looking at a cereal packet and you see actually there was just a, a little bit of dried fruit in there it's much less concerning than if it was coming from syrup or honey or something like that does it make sense yes yeah so that's the best way to really look at a food label it's just to get an idea is it high in fat sugar and salt um is it something that i need to swap or exchange for an alternative um or is the actual sugar quite innocent in it is the fat quite innocent in it because it's not very high saturated fat so yeah. that gives you a broad idea you can look on uh, for this information that i'm giving it would be on the british heart foundation website you can get yourself a little food label card <laughs> to carry with you so it's written yeah. down if that's helpful. And what
0: we'll do, I think we'll provide some uh, uh, supporting information, Caroline, for Oh uh, great. Yeah, and I'm I'm volunteering you to uh, create that for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah it's never so, no, I mean that would be brilliant if we could. So we'll we'll get something out. Uh, for that because there's, there's, a, there's a lot of figures going around yeah um, which, which obviously can be quite confusing so we'll, we'll we'll create something for that
1: yeah it's nice to have on hand so you can have a little look um, as and when you need to but sometimes you can hear information and then you know yeah. the next day it may be forgotten so yeah yes.
0: that makes sense okay so you've talked a bit about um looking at the front and the back of the packet looking at ingredients just going a bit more into ingredients i mean um talk to us about you mentioned uh, refined foods mm. talk to us about what is a refined food and why why you may uh, not recommend it
1: I, I think the problem with something's refined it's really meaning that it's more heavily processed um, so if something is more heavily processed you might be removing some good nutrition uh, from it actually so for example if you were to- talking about whole grain products or whole meal products, those products have more fibre in them. And the whole grain aspect of them is very beneficial in that there's parts of that grain that have um, implications for reducing long term conditions like heart disease, like diabetes, um, even so- helping conditions in the gut as well. So. Um, quite a broad range of things that are improved by having whole grains in your diet so if it's a heavily processed cereal you lose that Um, or if you're choosing say a a white rice over a brown rice you are losing some of that whole grain as well. Um, Have you heard of whole grain products before Raj?
0: yes yes Yes. hot uh, topic for us at the moment i I, I think yeah very hot topic i mean i you know i definitely recommend this to the to to my patients and especially those with diabetes as well um because i think um you know looking at the evidence there is a shortfall in in fiber in the population and that's that's a really important component in our food as we're processing more and more food you know this is one of my big worries
1: we're losing our fiber for sure yeah
0: yeah, so um,
1: I mean, tell us a little bit about fibre. I
0: mean, that's, that's, so that's
1: so fibre actually, although it does come from whole grains as well, yeah. it does come from fruit and vegetables. And I think mm. you know we still, as a population, we don't meet our minimum requirements for fruit and vegetables, uh, which is the five fruit or vegetables a day. meaning yeah. that you could have, say, two pieces of fruit and three vegetable portions in the day. Um, a portion would equate to like a handful of strawberries. Very seasonal at the moment. Yeah. um or like an apple or like a, a few ta- a couple of tablespoons two or three tablespoons of peas or something mm. like that corn in mm. the cob something like that but you do need to make sure that you're having at least five a day because it's a big contributor to fiber mm. um as well as some of the other very important vitamins and minerals in our diet so it's, it's something to be conscious of even though it sounds quite simple mm. um it's a really important message for every age group really
0: and it's a great rule of thumb isn't it um Mm. i mean one of the things we do with uh at at home is we we always talk about eating the rainbow so we try and tick off colors i mean this this applies to uh you know whole foods and we try and tick off colors on our rainbow chart at home uh you know what once we're eating different rainbow fruits and that creates a real diversity in what we're eating
1: yeah and you can definitely use you know i think sometimes there's a bit of a stigma around using um like frozen fruit or frozen vegetables Mm. and canned fruit and vegetables. Those really are what going to get you through to the end of the week without having to go back to the shop. So it's fine to use those. Kids love using those sorts of things because it adds a bit of extra dynamic into um, what you're having as well. So it can be quite a good family approach in that sense. And you should definitely, as you say, involve um, your family in making those choices because then they'll have a good relationship with healthy foods as well as unhealthy foods. So they, um, No, with well, give, a some, life. give
0: us some more tips um, about involving children then with, with, with eating.
1: Yeah, so we always encourage children from a young age preferably to be involved with food and eating, um, even food preparation that, where you can um, from the beginning, even if it's putting a few uh, vegetables into the food, um, if it's picking them out initially in the supermarket, something like that. And eating together as a family so children know, what the plate should look like, that the food's safe to eat and is healthy. That's how small children learn to eat, is is role modelling, just like everything else. Mm -hmm. So um, having a family approach is very important uh, for them, but also for the rest of your family. So uh, for an older adult that maybe has parents or somebody else eating with them, it's a good idea to make sure you're making healthy changes all together as a family. Whatever um, diet-related condition you're going through, you know it's likely there's a genetic trait um sadly so it may be one of those things you that's important as well to approach as a mm. family and that's something we always encourage when we're um sitting with patients is to make the changes as a family rather than a special healthy meal mm. if you like for yourself um
0: yeah and one of the bugbears of mine is that that is 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 children's menus actually mm. um because often we're Chips feeling and what, sausages. yeah yeah and i just wonder why that is because you know as much as possible at home, we try and encourage our children to eat what we're eating, actually. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: and, 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 and that's one of the worries I have is that, that food companies and restaurants are, are marketing um, you know, children's food as being these, these yeah, quite things. highly processed, yeah, mm. uh, low-nutrition foods. I mean, what's your view on that?
1: I think uh, the thing you have to remember, as with all things with kids, mm. is that you're training them for later life. <laughs> so yep. um, yes. if you train them into liking uh, high salt, high fat, high sugar yep. foods, it's mm. going to be so difficult for them when they're older yep. to change. It really is. So having those foods less often... Mm-hmm. and having uh, just family food as you say more often is the way to go really um you can definitely use stool cupboard things as you know we're all caught short occasionally course, and you know yeah. kids eat a lot in the day so you feel like you're cooking all the time so it's fine yeah. to use something like baked beans on toast you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um if you need to squeeze a snack or a meal in um it's much better than sort of buying like highly processed say potato waffles and mm. you know um, nuggets and things like that you, yeah, you can yeah. actually keep family food in the freezer you can mm. definitely use store covered things as we've talked about pasta mm. is great for kids isn't it you just yeah. throw some frozen veggies in there yes
0: uh,
1: and they'll, they'll eat that all up i often do dinosaur pasta at home i just blend a whole load of veggies together yeah yeah, <laughs> throw yeah. It What's into the pasta, you yeah. know um so that's the approach to take really you're definitely not putting your children um sort of last by giving them just healthy family foods you know uh, and I think that is the pro- that's the feedback I often get mm. from parents is that they feel like they're depriving their children of uh, sort of chocolates and sweets and things like that but as I say you're, you're training them really you're making it easier for them in later life so they don't have to be so dependent on those foods and they understand that there's a less often food and everything yeah. else is more often food
0: yeah, I think you're spot on. I mean, I've got a five and a three year old and, uh, you know, my wife's also a GP and we're, you know, we're busy all mm. the time. and it is very, very difficult to be a parent and, you know, to be on the ball all of the time, you know, and put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And I think mm-hmm. that's really useful, uh, really useful advice. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about food swaps we might do some information in one of the newsletters about that as well Caroline. yeah that'd be good um, yeah so i think that would be useful for people i just want to take it back a little bit to i mean we've talked j- just we talked a little bit about macronutrients so proteins mm-hmm. carbohydrates and um uh, protein oh. carbohydrates and fats yeah so i just want to kind of go through them because a lot of there's a lot of confusion around around these topics as well so could you could we start maybe with with fats okay um, what fats are you know uh saturated we talk about saturated unsaturated fats what does all that mean yeah
1: um i mean that is the the crux of it if you like yeah. is what we call healthy unhealthy fats um the reason behind that it does relate to cholesterol so saturated fat we uh, believe from the evidence that it increases your cholesterol Um, still there is more evidence coming to light that we need to pay a bit more attention to trans fats in honesty and trans fats are really in processed foods so Mm. those are now identified as the main culprits that increase the cholesterol in your blood so things like biscuits crisps those deep fried things they're the ones that really increase your cholesterol and saturated fats do to a certain extent but if you limit the quantity shouldn't really affect your cholesterol is the evidence now Mm. Um, they include yeah. things like uh, full fat dairy so if you were to have uh, like whole milk say instead of semi skin milk in a large amount that might affect your uh, cholesterol and uh, sort of your blood um, and maybe I should explain what cholesterol is cholesterol is what um, yeah. block your arteries and give you a heart attack in basic terms so that's why we're trying to avoid that um, the other mm. kinds of saturated mm. fat would be like in hard cheeses. Say so if you had a cheddar cheese, there'd be more saturated fat than in a spreadable cheese like Dairy Lee or Philadelphia. Mm. Um, so the soft cheeses are lower in saturated fat. Um, also, the things that we've all started to do, I think, include um, removing the skin off chicken. Chicken is, the skin is where the fat is, It's under the layer mm. of, of skin. Um, if it's a red meat, we know red meats are higher in saturated fat. I, I always say to patients, you know, when you pop a steak on the barbecue and you pop a chicken breast in the barbecue you can see a difference in fat that comes off that yeah um, so you know it's just worth bearing in mind that really red meat should be once or twice a week maximum um, because of the total fat intake and because it's a saturated fat component you must trim off all the fat of the meat uh, is always our suggestion as well i think a lot of people have that key message Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe are progressing back to using full fat dairy um, in practice, I've noticed. Yeah. Uh, and the sad thing with that is sometimes you are gaining weight as a result um, mm-hmm. because of the extra calories purely. Mm-hmm. So if you said to me, oh, Caroline, I'm having just a little bit of full fat in my tea once a day, I'd so say it doesn't really make any difference at all. But if you were having sort of a few pints in the day, definitely would be a better idea maybe to switch to at least a semi-skimmed. Mm-hmm to reduce the calorie content if you are trying to lose weight um, Mm. or if you do have a concern with your cholesterol. If you Mm. don't, then it's less of a concern, of course.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Shall we talk a little bit about unsaturated fats?
0: Yes, please. Yeah.
1: So um, with unsaturated fats, we really just encourage you to have um, sort of good fats in your diet to prevent your cholesterol going up, if I'm being honest. Um, So that is the lean-to uh, on that information. So you may have heard that in the past that things like nuts are okay to eat. It's because they're higher in unsaturated fats. Um, equally, people will talk about the benefits of olive oil. It's because they're higher in unsaturated fats. Yeah. Um, having said that, that's a very common question that we get around um, which oil to use. Do people ask you that, Raj, all the time? All the time, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, really, with the evidence as it is at the moment, what we normally suggest is just to limit how much oil you're adding or how much fat you're adding. Um, Because if you were to work within the parameters of just say adding a teaspoon of oil to your cooking, then it doesn't really matter what oil you're using. Mm. However, if you are a client who prefers to use more oil, then it's better to use something like a vegetable oil, which is rapeseed oil. Mm. Uh, And the reason for that is that rapeseed oil uh, used sort of doesn't break down as as much as an olive oil would for example so when you cook olive oil to a high temperature you can smell it actually breaking down it has that lovely aroma which is actually turning into a bad fat um so you would only really use olive oil as a dressing um Mm -hmm. on salads or something like that rather than actually in the cooking does that make sense
0: yes definitely that's 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 great advice as sort yeah
1: equally coconut oil no <laughs> palm yeah. oil no they're higher in the bad
0: fats
1: yes. so uh, yes. i mean there's been a lot of advertised
0: they, they, there's a lot of yeah, advertisement at the moment around coconut oil yeah. it's very in vogue at the moment
1: they're still very high in saturated fat so yeah. if you want to use them as a a cream <laughs> that's fine to use but yeah. not maybe in your your food i would suggest mm. it's not mm. such a good idea mm. Unless you're sticking to a teaspoon. If you use a teaspoon, you can use a teaspoon of any fat. It shouldn't really affect your um, sort of cholesterol if you're only using a teaspoon of oil per meal. Neither should it affect your weight because all oils and fats have exactly the same calories. It doesn't matter if it's olive oil or ghee, basically. It's the same amount of calories.
0: What's your view on ghee? Because, um, you know, uh, people from uh, South, South Asia also you know get conflicting advice on ghee yeah
1: absolutely um so it's about quantity it really is so uh, you know if you use ghee as a clarified butter for those who don't know uh, so it would fall into the saturated fat bracket as a full fat yeah. dairy um so really it's about quantity so if you're using lashings and lashings everywhere then you're likely yeah. to raise your cholesterol but if you're only using a teaspoon at your meals, that's fine. Um, sadly, sometimes people are using quite a lot of oil in their homemade curries. Um, and yeah. that's a bit more concerning. You do need to cut back, actually, mm. um, on the oil usage there. Uh, so if you said to me, Caroline, I am using ghee in my cooking, but I'm only using a very small amount. I'm feeding four people at my meal. I'm only using a tablespoon. That's about a teaspoon per, per adult per meal. Yeah, so that's fine. But yeah. um, if it's more than that, if it's like a half a cup of oil or something, yeah. then uh, you need to reduce it or reduce the frequency of that mm. meal that has the, the high added fat in it. So you might say, mm. I'll only have that once a week mm. instead of every day, mm. uh, would be my suggestion. Yeah.
0: Okay, that's quite useful. And in, in terms of nuts and uh, nuts as well, I mean, we, we we talk about getting all those lovely unsaturated fats in the system. But the, one of the pitfalls I find with my patients with nuts is that they eat too many. Yeah,
1: they're a bit so, of nibbly <laughs> food, sadly. So um, highly yeah.
0: calorific that there's a there's a downside to it as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, the get... other benefit of nuts, of course, is they're yeah. another whole grain. Yeah. yeah they're whole yeah. grain nuts, so they, they are mm. quite great in terms mm. of uh, fibre and the right kinds of fats and protein mm. and iron, so they are wonderful, and even calcium. Yes. They're type of foods that really give you a lot of nutrition, but as well, they have a lot of calories in because of the fat, so yes. we tend to say stick to about one hand feel, handful if it's like um, mm. a snack or mm. as part of a meal, that's your protein or your iron source instead of the, the meat or the pulses, for example. Um, so it's fine to use like a handful of seeds or nuts or something as a composite part of your meal as well, if you would like. Okay, that was
0: useful. Um, so let's talk a little bit about protein.
1: Aha, uh-huh, yes. Yeah. So I mean, protein is one of those things. Um, I think at the moment, there's a, a big trend towards veganism and sort of plant based diets. And sometimes it's just worth thinking about where your protein sources are coming from as well. Um, mm. Totally doable to, to have a plant-based diet and meet your protein needs. Um, really, you know, we're not a population that lacks protein, is what I would say. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't think I've ever come across a, a patient who has protein energy malnutrition in my 15 years of practice. Yes. Yes. But, um, you know, protein is a key nutrient. It does help with muscle building. Um, it does help us meet other nutritional uh, needs in that protein rich foods also contain iron so um, what you're looking for if you're coming from sort of a more plant-based diet is to use things like soya to use things like nuts so that you can um, and beans and pulses of course meet into that whole grain diet again so you need to include those um, three times a day really is what you're looking at if you're not choosing that direction so if you're sort of just in a general sort of meat eating diet a couple of times a day is what you're looking for for chicken or fish or or red meat or beans or pulses so um, that would be enough to meet your requirements and when we say a portion a portion is about a palm size portion so like a chicken breast or four tablespoons of beans um, something to that extent or a handful of nuts again is what we're Mm. looking for okay that's quite useful.
0: And, and and what's your thoughts? I mean, we're, we're living through uh, uh, an era of uh, very high protein foods. We're seeing, you know, uh, you know, chocolate bars with with high protein written on it.
1: Uh-huh.
0: News on this sort of thing that's coming out, all these all these products we're seeing in supermarkets.
1: Yeah, I think you have to bear in mind that these are high cost products um, yeah. that are geared towards uh, saying that they're healthy, often quite high in sugar. Mm. um so not healthy um and very expensive and unnecessary so if you bear in mind that your protein needs are to have three portions a day you don't need that as an additional product if you are training in the gym and you think Mm. i would like an extra protein portion to help with that muscle building you know you don't have to have those uh, protein drinks that they sell in the gym it's absolutely acceptable to use alternatives um such as nuts as we talked about to tick off your um whole grains or to tick up the Mm. other sort of healthy parts of your diet. So for example, as well as we didn't talk about calcium, but you do need about two or three calcium sources in the day from Mm. a low fat dairy um, or alternative Mm. um, as well. So it's important to rather look at what nutrition you might be missing in your diet rather than sort of um, listening too much to the advertising, if you would like, of the additional products I would suggest.
0: Mm. Okay, that was really useful.
1: Um, what about, let's
0: talk a little bit about carbohydrates.
1: Mm, the, the bad words sometimes yeah, people well, say well, to we're, me. we're living in a
0: high protein, <laughs> low carbohydrate <laughs> time. So yeah, what's your yeah.
1: view? I mean, it's hard, isn't it? Because yeah. uh, we know if you take out a food group, you're going to lose weight. Yeah. So um that that's obvious that if you go on a low carbohydrate diet, you will lose weight. But yeah, it's very difficult to go on that style of diet, mostly because you're cutting out um sort of fiber from your diet. So the filling food if you like. So Mm. it is a good idea to try and limit how much carbohydrate at your meal and try and choose the carbohydrates that are higher in fiber, as we talked about before, like the brown rice, like quinoa. Um, like those types of foods that really are whole grain high fiber fill you up in quite a small quantity rather than steering towards more of the white pastas uh, white breads that you'd probably need a larger serving to feel full on um, even mm. if you were diabetic we wouldn't discourage you from having carbohydrates it would just be about limiting how much you would have uh, at one serving per meal so they're by no means a devil food (laughs) certainly you will lose (laughs) weight if you reduce them because they're a big calorie contributor but you will be hungry as a result so if you can overcome that if you find that by increasing your vegetables and having a good protein portion at your meal you're full enough Mm. um, then it can be a good strategy for weight loss but we tend to suggest moderation in all things it's a it's a very very sort of plain message but it is actually the right message is Mm. moderation rather than cutting out food groups is often the way to success Mm.
0: because 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 you know we're we're thinking in this program about long-term sustainable success
1: that's right Um,
0: yeah lots of things work well in the short term actually and i've seen this with a lot of patients they'll go on quite extreme diets Mm. you know things like cutting out you know the the kind of uh, ketogenic diets which can be quite Absolutely. extreme, actually. And, and they do well. They do very, very well. Gain a lot of confidence from it. But then over the coming year, the weight It'll comes come back, on, and that's where we Yeah, yeah. that is the saddest diet.
1: thing, really, when you've got on very difficult. They're very difficult diets to do. And yeah. you work really hard. And then it's yeah. come back on. And you know, do remember, if you have done that process, you, you seek yeah. support is what I would say in yeah. terms of going back to a normal diet. Um, yeah. Because it is hard to sustain. Some people do sustain those diets for a long term. Yeah. Yeah. But if you can't, as would be the most population, is is seek support. A lot of the uh, GP surgeries do have support of one kind or another. Um, mm. Obviously, there's a few dietitians around like me, but not in every GP surgery in Hillingdon. Um, so you could equally seek support from your nurse or yeah. from your doctor if you're trying to uh, restart your normal diet and lifestyle from those type of diets.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree, Caroline. Okay, I think we're, uh, I'm just conscious of time, so I think mm. we'll leave it there for today, but we might Nothing. bring it back for another conversation. I think there's so much more we could actually talk about.
1: I could, I could uh, talk about diet forever, right? I'm sure, and <laughs> it's I obviously could listen the area to... I'm interested in. Thank <laughs> you, Thanks very much.
0: Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah. I was oh, probably just out there. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciated that. It was a lovely conversation today. And uh, and take care. Speak soon. Thanks very much. Right. Bye. Right.
1: Right.
0: Bye. This was the Health Lifestyle Action Programme by the NHS Hillingdon Confederation. Learn to become the healthiest version of yourself.